Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this edition, a special edition of the Sunshine Boys podcast. Joining us, of course, are the Sunshine Boys themselves, Joe Henderson, Ira Kaufman, Tim Williams is with us from Boston, and Ira is on site for Super Bowl 51 in Houston, Texas, uh, where he will be making the case for John Lynch, former Tampa Bay Buccaneers star, to get into the Hall of Fame. Ira, welcome to the show from beautiful downtown Houston, and I know it's crazy down there. Hey, James, I rolled in, uh, rolled in last night. Uh, a lot of people at the airport, obviously. Uh, Came to the media center today. All the streets of downtown Houston blocked off, Jim. Uh, you know, this is the nerve center. The convention center is usually the place to be. Uh, Radio Row, Jim, is crazy. It's going to be even crazier tomorrow. Kind of kind of reaches a, a crescendo on Friday. That's when all the stars come out. Now, Lady Gaga did her, her press conference today. She didn't perform, guys, like Prince did uh, or some other people did, uh, but... Uh, she was very engaging. Um, and now, guys, I, I've been uh, busy taking the temperature uh, of the room for Saturday uh, vis-a-vis uh, the candidates for the uh, class of 2017. We have a couple of um, people that uh, that are interesting to us. Jason Taylor, what are your thoughts on him, Joe, Ira? What you, what, is Jason Taylor uh, ready? Uh Joe, uh, my thoughts uh, initially are that um, he's a guy where you look at him and you say, well, he's going to have a bust in Canton. The question is when, Joe. And guys, as much as the players try to deny it, uh, believe me, there's a little special cachet with getting in your first year of eligibility. It's sort of the club within the club. Joe knows that. That's why it was so important to Warren Sapp in 2013. Brooks was a no-brainer, of course. So... There's nothing in the bylaws that say there should be a pecking order, should be a queue, but it's sort of an unwritten rule that uh, unless a Brett Favre comes along or a Barry Sanders, Jerry Rice, Joe Montana, somebody of that uh, ilk, uh, and maybe Ladanian Tomlinson is of that quality. Um, but if you're not, you probably have to wait your turn, guys. That's just the way it is. How about Isaac? Yeah, Bruce? I would. I would think that's right. I'm sorry, I didn't. I did my usual my usual cutting up of Joe's uh, voice. You know. so. You know, you lead into me and then you cut me off. I'm just saying. Um, you know, he, um, yeah. Uh, no, I think it's, Taylor. I agree with my my friend Ira, who has a whole lot more say in this than I do. But uh, as a voter, but yeah, uh, I think Jason Taylor will be in the Hall of Fame, uh, just not this year. Uh, other people ahead of him in line, and that's just kind of the way it works. Isaac Bruce, what do you think? Isaac Bruce, um, you know, wide receivers, it's very difficult, guys. You know, Andre Reed, Tim Brown, Chris Carter, they all had to wait their turn. Terrell Owens is still back, uh, back for a second year. People can't believe he didn't get in last year. 
Uh, Isaac Bruce, um, definitely not this year. Uh, very much of a long shot. Um, down the line, possibly, uh, but he could be a, sort of a five-year project. Could be. Very cool. There's one name on the list here, guys, that baffles me as to why he isn't there. Maybe Ira, you and Joe, Tim, can tell me why. How about Don Coriel? Well, it's funny you mention that, Jim. Now, Tim and Joe might not know this, but this year uh, they've tweaked the rules a little bit. Now, usually there's 46 selectors. They're all media. Mm-hmm. This year there's 48. This, this year there's 48 voters. Two, two Hall of Famers are going to be in the room with a vote. And those two guys are James Lofton and Dan Fouts. Now, mm-hmm. after the San Diego representative makes his pitch for Don Coriel, guys, um, everybody assumes, and I think rightfully so, that Dan Fouts is going to grab the microphone and make a very uh, impassioned uh, case for Don Coriel, uh, his coach, mm-hmm. who knows him better than Fouts. Um, this is the first time that Hall of Famers are in the room uh, and speaking and have a vote. So... You know, you might give a little more credence to a Dan Fouts than a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think Fouts' candidacy will be bolstered by the fact that Dan Fouts is in that room, Joe. I, I happen to think Coriel's in the wrong category, Joe. I, if he was a contributor, I think he'd be a no-brainer. But as a coach, you got to look at his coaching record, and, and I'm not sure it's good enough. Well, I don't see any Super Bowl rings there, for one. And number two... He was an innovator. Give him that. Eric Coriel um, was, you know, the precursor to what we see now. And it was entertaining and it was effective. He made it to conference championship game. But, you, you know, if you're going to be a coach, uh, uh, tell me this, Ira, would Tony Dungy have gotten in if he didn't have a ring? The answer is no. The answer is no. Well, there you go. Would there not. you go. He would not. It's a shame because Coriel had a lot of – I mean, the coaching tree for Coriel was pretty amazing. Uh, by the way, Jim, there's a there's an old Patriot that uh, Tim probably saw play a lot uh, that's on the ballot. I believe it's his first year, and his name's Ty Law. Um, mm-hmm. Heck of a cornerback. Um, played big in big games. I believe he had a, a three-pick game against Peyton Manning in the playoffs. Uh, Tim, am yeah. I wrong about that? He also returned a kickoff for a touchdown against the Steelers in 2001. It was a big reason that they got to the Super Bowl that year. He was he was he was excellent in combination with a lot of guys, and he was the best player on that defense for a long time. You know, Ira, go back to Don Coriel for a moment. Uh, who was his last game that he uh, coached against in the NFL? Don't tell me you're going to say your beloved Bengals. Your beloved Bucks. My beloved Bucks. Oh, my God. What game was that, Joe? Because we were probably at it. The first (laughs) home win in Bucks history. Hank Stram got fired for losing to the Bucks on the road, and Coriel lost his gig with the Cardinals. Oh, man. Wow, that's outstanding, Joe. That's outstanding. We Um, actually were at those games. (laughs) Jim, he had some good years in St. Louis. He did yeah. with Jim Hart. Yes, he did. Uh, you know, they had some nice teams, Terry Metcalf. Uh, the problem was they were looking up to the Cowboys in that division, uh, you know, and they couldn't quite get over the hump. Uh, then he went to San Diego. But Joe's right. Um, for a coach to get in without a championship ring, very, very difficult. Well, take us inside the room. You're going to give a presentation for John Lynch, and, and I don't want you to, you know, to give away your your 
your trade oh, secrets. I don't right? mind. I don't mind giving. I don't mind giving away some of the. Uh, All right. Well, you can that. give. Yeah. You can. You can do that. But how long do you have to make your presentation? And what happens after? Is there a Jim, debate? We, or what goes? Jim, we 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 start the meeting about seven thirty. It's the morning mm-hmm. before the Super Bowl. It's right, right. here in the convention center. Mm-hmm. Uh, we gather at seven o'clock because, uh, as Henderson will tell tell you, uh, sports writers don't want to miss a free breakfast. So the breakfast <laughs> is served at at seven, uh, okay. and when we get there at seven. Um, there's 18 names on the list, guys. There's 15 mm-hmm. modern day candidates. I think it's 14 players and Don Coryell as mm-hmm. a coach. There's two contributors. That's be Paul Tagliabue and Jerry Jones. Mm-hmm. And there's one senior candidate, which is Kenny Easley. The old safety from uh, the Seahawks. Wow, eight. So that means there's 18 different spe- speeches. Okay. And and the city where the guy played his predominant uh, mm-hmm. uh, career uh, right. is is the representative. So I've been the Tampa mm-hmm. Bay representative since '05, and it's been a very busy time because we're kind of honoring, you know, the Bucks when they they were during their glory days. Mm-hmm. Um, so after each presentation, and by the way, we just got an email from the hall saying they would like to limit the presentations to five minutes each, five Oof. minutes. Now, I'm trying to sum up, guys, a 15-year career for John Lynch in five minutes. I've written out my speech. I got a, I rehearsed it in front of my wife. Uh, she, uh, she she gave me a, a sitting ovation when I when I was done. <laughs> uh, uh, five minutes. It, 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 it's seven minutes, and I don't think that's bad. That's kind of right, right where I – that sweet spot that I want. Some guys are going to go 10 or 12 minutes. Uh, Joe, Joe's given speeches to Rotary Clubs. Jim, you've talked to people. Sometimes yeah. the more you talk, uh, less is more. Less right, is more. Right. So I'm going to make my points about Lynch. Now, after each presentation, there is mm-hmm. discussion. Now, having said that, the guy that presented Brett Favre last year stood up and said, ladies and gentlemen, I present Brett Favre, and he sat down. He sat down. <laughs> he never said another word, and there was no discussion. And we all applauded because he saved us 15 or 20 minutes in the room. There you and go. It, it's a nine-hour meeting, Jim, so every little bit counts. Um, John Lynch is not on the Brett Favre level. Even Henderson would say that. Right. Um, so there's going to be discussion. Now, last year, Terrell Owens was in the room for the first time. And I don't mm-hmm. know how Tim feels about Terrell Owens, but by the numbers, Terrell Owens is a no-brainer. Open mm-hmm. and shut, Terrell Owens. Uh, but it wasn't that way because after the presentation for Owens uh, came a few people who talked to Owens's head coaches, mm-hmm. teammates through the years for different teams, and they all said the guy was extremely divisive and he was a terrible teammate. And while the bylaws say you're only supposed to count what the guy did as a player, and that helped me with the Warren Sapp presentation, mm-hmm. uh, the difference is, guys, and, and, and I'm curious to see what, what the three of you think of this. Uh, I believe what kind of teammate the guy was uh, counts. I think it's fair to factor it in, even though it's not uh, what he did on the playing field. Uh, it's a natural extension uh, of a guy as a player. Uh, um, Joe, do you disagree with that on, on Terrell Owens? Well, no, I think that's the, a separator uh, for the Hall of Fame. Now, was a diva. No, I mean, he was one of the, the first really big divas. Uh, and he got away with it because he was so good. But would you say he was a great teammate, even though he was a great player? I mean, you know, I wasn't in his locker room, so I would I would depend on the people who were closer to that situation than I. 
But, you know, I think it's a legitimate question on him. Uh, you know, did he make his teams better? Yes. Did he have, does he have the numbers for the Hall of Fame? Most definitely. Uh, get in eventually. But I think he's going to have to sweat it out for a while and maybe put a little more time and space between the end of his career and, and when the decisive vote for him is taken. Absolutely. Now, Tim, Tim, another guy that might face the same kind of questions, almost, uh, is a guy in next year's class, which is Randy Moss, um, who was sensational in Minnesota, went to New England and just uh, was outrageous in 2007. Right, Tim? Um, uh, but uh, Randy Moss is a guy who said he played hard when he wanted to. That don't sit well with the writers. Um, <laughs> he could he could be divisive. Um, Tim, what's your thoughts on Randy Moss as 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 a uh, Hall of Fame candidate? I think it's it's very similar to Owens in that football is more than anything else a team sport. So you have to take into account the kind of teammate a player was when evaluating what kind of football player they were. Because you can't be an individual wide receiver. Someone has to block for the quarterback, and the quarterback has to find you and throw you the ball. So, yes, I think both of them have every bit the talent you would need to get in the Hall of Fame. Their numbers speak for themselves. And with Owens, when it comes down to it, he played with an injury in the Super Bowl and played well. Moss, when it came down to it, and he needed to be quiet for one season and play the way a team wanted him to play. He did what the Patriots wanted and he was excellent for that one year. Then again, he could have stayed in new England longer and chose not to because of the kind of teammate he is. He could have stayed in Minnesota longer and chose not to because of the kind of teammate he is. So I, that's something that at least has to be weighed. I don't know if it invalidates his hall of fame candidacy. I think, he was good enough that I think his talent outweighs that, but it certainly has to be considered. Hey, can I give uh, Terrell Owens points, Ira, for harassing Donovan McNabb? <laughs> Absolutely, Jim. Um, Thank you. I, hey, I mean, hey, anybody who hey, drives him crazy is good with me. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Ira. Hey, hey, hey Jim, Jim, one yes. little wrinkle. One little wrinkle. Uh, you know, one of the things about doing these presentations is, you know, you do heavy research on these guys, and you find out some stuff you didn't even know. And, and mm -hmm. Tim would be interested in this. Um, but when Lynch retired after the 07 season in Denver, he played four years in Denver, and he made the Pro Bowl all four years, and he's in their ring of honor. So he's in two teams' ring of honor. So he retires after 2007. He's 36 years old. And, guys, you know who called John Lynch almost on a daily basis? in the spring of 2008 to try to get him to reconsider his retirement was a, was a man named Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick was relentlessly haranguing Lynch uh, to come to New England and resume his playing career. And as a matter of fact, Tim, uh, he joined the Pats uh, in training camp and played uh, in some preseason games. And in the last preseason game, which is the last time Lynch was ever on a football field. He played the entire game, the final preseason game that nobody wants to play, uh, especially if you're a veteran. He told Belichick, let me play the whole game. And Belichick said, okay. And he did it, and he walked off the field. But Belichick wanted a 36-year-old safety, and he wanted him bad. 
And don't think I'm not going to mention that in, in, in the room on Saturday. Yeah, that was that's that a really one interesting that time in, in the Boston area. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a you're right, Joe. I mean that uh, that could be a clincher right there, Ira. That's a that's a very good piece of uh, information. Now, now, yeah. now, Jim, one thing we haven't mentioned, guys, mm-hmm. um, and, and I, I need your take on, on it. Um, this year, Lynch, uh, you know, besides facing you know fourteen other candidates, and by the way, only five can make it. In, in a particular class, mm-hmm. five out of 15. Now, Henderson, you weren't very good in math, but you know that that's 33.3%. You know that. Um, I, so I 10 guys, that out. <laughs> Jim, 10 guys walk away disappointed every mm-hmm. year, 10 out of 15. So the fans have to realize that when they say, how could so-and-so not get in? You know, my answer always is, who do you want to take out? But, right. you know, uh, for the Lynch presentation, Jim, this year, he, he's got a direct competitor in Brian Dawkins. Now, this is Lynch's fourth year in a row in that room to be discussed as a finalist. Mm-hmm. This is Dawkins' This is Dawkins' first year of eligibility. He's a first-year candidate. Uh, Tim, by the numbers, Brian Dawkins has it over John Lynch. I can't win the statistical battle against Brian Dawkins. He's all over the stat board. He's got 25 forced fumbles, 36 interceptions, 20. Sacks. Lynch doesn't have that. So I'm a little concerned uh, about Dawkins and maybe, Joe, maybe at the very least they split the votes and that's not going to help Lynch. So that's what I'm facing this year. And I have to make the argument that Lynch made more of an impact on on a defense that was more iconic. I think we'd all agree Mm -hmm. that uh, that buck, that buck defense was one of the great ones uh, for that length of time. And Guys, Lynch Lynch played a vital role. So, do you guys see Brian Dawkins in his first year flying right past Lynch and uh, and taking over uh, that spot? Do you, do you see that happening? I I actually could, um, unfortunately for uh, for John, who I really uh, respect as a as a man and as a player. But you remember where Brian Dawkins played his career, and and he's up there with. You know he's he's seen uh, twice a year by the New York media. He's he's seen by the Washington media. You know you've Dallas. got that whole Dallas, Dallas, yeah, Dallas. and and you know those guys are gonna they're gonna be naturally I would guess predisposed to say well, what are you talking about Ira this guy's got more better numbers than your guy and uh, what what I would think of with Lynch and this doesn't get mentioned often uh off nearly often enough I think was everybody credits the Bucks defense turnaround to when Brooks and Sapp arrived and certainly you know uh, their presence in in Canton shows that but it actually started the year before when John Lynch got there and he began to get that secondary uh, which, as we all realize, Ira, we saw enough bad football over the years, was a leaking sieve. He began to really kind of change the attitude back there. And then when they got more depth around there, the the Bucks took off. But I think the rebuild started with John Lynch. I really do. Let me ask both you guys. Um, Dawkins didn't play in a, a system like the Tampa 2 that, that, uh, right. that you guys are talking about. So it's a little bit of an apples and an oranges kind of thing in so much as, you know, 
John played in a system. Dawkins played more of a freelancer. I think that's a tremendous point, Jim. I wish you were in the room with me. You'd, you'd be making that point right with me. But uh, I think that's outstanding. Lynch played in a very uh, rigid system. He had a certain role, eighth man in the box sometimes, shadow to mm-hmm. tight end sometimes. You're right. Dawkins had a lot more freedom, um, and I think that led to uh, better statistics. Now, guys, I, I have spent much of uh, the day uh, talking to Hall of Fame selectors, um, and while I'm not politicking, I do want to know what the temperature of the room is going to be uh, this Saturday. For instance, uh, in New Orleans uh, in 2013, when I got to town, I was told directly by some of the selectors with Warren Sapp, you got your work cut out, Kaufman. You're in trouble, Kaufman. And I found out, much to my dismay, that these writers, a significant number of them, they wanted to make Sapp uh, grovel. They wanted to make him wait. They weren't going to put him in his first year. So I had to quickly put the focus on Sapp, the football player, which I did. Uh, and by the way, Jim, I know this is your podcast. I don't like mm-hmm. to use uh, – uh, tough language, but uh, this is how I did it. Go ahead. Uh, and, and and Joe knows this, but um, I've heard in doing this. my research. Do- yeah, and Joe knows the story. <laughs> but Tim, in doing my research on Seth uh, and talking to different people, I happened to call Keyshawn Johnson. He was in Los Angeles, and I just ran it past him. Keyshawn, what, what do you think about Sap? Should he have a bust in Canton? And Keyshawn said, "Yeah, he, be- you know, he he he's a Hall of Famer. He's an asshole." But he belongs. <laughs> Nobody and said it's a Hall Tim, of Nice. It's a Hall of Fame. And, and Tim, when I hung up the phone with Johnson, I, I turned to uh, Martin Fennelly, our columnist at the Trib, and I said, Martin, I now have my opening for my SAP presentation. <laughs> because, because, first of all, now I don't have to call SAP an asshole, which right. he was. Um, <laughs> I got Keyshawn to do it. And then I add the final line, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And once I knew that the focus was on Sap, the football player, I, I felt pretty confident because he was a two-time all-decade player. And by the way, um, guys, one more thing to throw into the mix, and uh, this could be problematical for me on Saturday. Might be. But um, Dawkins and Lynch, their careers, um, uh, while not quite a, you know, an exact match in terms of the years, um, it was the same era. And guys, Dawkins was one of two all-decade safeties for the 2000s. Lynch was not, and I know that's going to come up, uh, certainly by the guy from Philadelphia that, that presents Dawkins, and and that's a tough one. On, on the surface, that's a tough one. Dawkins was all-decade. Lynch was not. Um, my answer is going to be that some guys' careers don't fit very neatly into one particular decade, and I think that's true. Uh, mm-hmm. Lynch, Lynch retired after 07. He retired, and Dawkins played throughout the 2000s. So, Joe, that's going to be my answer. We'll, we'll see if it's effective enough. Well, to get, check me on this if I'm wrong, but he had John played under um, Tony Dungy, um, and um, was, did he play for Gruden? Yes, he, he played, played for Gruden. He also played, yeah, okay. played a and year that, for Sam Weiss, too. And Shanahan. That's it. And Shanahan, yeah. yes. Okay, so, and yeah. then you talked about Belichick wanting him. You got three amazing coaches all want the guy to play for them, all want him 
to play in their system. Yeah. He walks away, you know, not only a star player, but somebody who three winning organizations wants. That's got to tell you something about the character of the guy. Absolutely. Um, now, I'm going to leave you guys with this story, and I'm going to let you guys uh, dissect the Super Bowl, which you're so good at. But I got a little story for you, and uh, okay. you're all going to appreciate this. But picture, picture your humble servant, Ira Kaufman, Sunday night. There I am, got a slice of apple pie, a little ice, pistachio ice cream, gentlemen. I'm watching a rerun of Everybody Loves Raymond, and all of a sudden, my phone starts to beep. And I look at it, and I see 49ers hire John Lynch as general manager. And, you know, then the tweets go crazy. And I, I turn to my wife, and I go, you're not going to believe this. You know, here I am. I'm finalizing my speech for the guy. Right. And then I send Lynch a text, and I say, John, you're not supposed to scoop your presenter. That's what I said. <laughs> And then I said, congratulations, Ira. And uh, he called me the next day. And, and, you know, I mean, he kept this thing under wraps, guys. Nobody mm -hmm. knew about this. No. Uh, I called Dungy. Dungy didn't know. Derek Brooks didn't know. Um, you know, he, he, he went underground. Um, now, guys, I, I don't think this is going to affect anything in the room. Joe, I think, agrees with me. It shouldn't, um, Jim. But uh, you, you never know. And I'll tell you this. I got the seven-minute speech. It's written out. I do not refer to it in any manner zero and mm -hmm. i don't think i should and i don't think i should no and i think that the point you you made ira is that um you know again that speaks to the kind of person john lynch is if he can walk out of the television booth and walk into yeah. being a general manager that clearly tells you that they have you know great respect for his ability to evaluate talent Henderson, how how can I get Jim Williams in the room with me uh, on Saturday morning? How can I do it? I, you're making a great point. You're going to have to rewrite your speech, I think. you got to get in about the defense. you got to get in about the talent evaluation. Uh, get, get busy. Um, before we're at it, I've got one thing I've, I really should say about Lynch as well, and that's against – if you put him up against Brian Dawkins, Brian Dawkins was a tremendous football player, but people can still play football like Brian Dawkins. You will never see another person play football like John Lynch. We don't allow people to play football like that anymore. Not bad, Tim. Not bad. Um, I'm going to leave you guys with my pick. Um, everybody's picking Atlanta. I, I can't find anybody that's picking New England. I don't know what's going on. I think they hate they hate the Pats. They're tired of the Pats. I know Henderson's like that. But, uh, Tim, I, I can't go against uh, Brady and Belichick. They're, they're driven for number five. They want to separate themselves from uh, Noel and Bradshaw. Um, first time around for the Falcons, uh, basically this team, uh, you know, Quinn's a young coach. Uh, Ryan's never been there before. So I'll say this. I think the Pats are going to win. But, uh, Tim, I don't know if you agree, but Atlanta will score its points. Atlanta will score its points. Uh, this is, you know, New England's not going to win this game 24-7. to That's not going to happen. Uh, this is the best offense in football for a reason. They spread you out, and they give Belichick a lot to worry about uh, for these two weeks. So, guys, I'm going with uh, with New England, uh, and um, we'll see what you guys pick. I'm going to listen to the end of the podcast uh, later, but um, I'll, I'll go with the Pats to make history. 
Ira, we really appreciate you joining us as always. And you almost hit that 30 minute on the nose. So you've got this, you even got your broadcasting skills done. You may be able to take John Lynch's place in the broadcast, but, but uh, have Thanks, a good guys. time. In, a- have a good time in Houston. And, uh, and hey, we'll see you next hey, guys, week. Guys, when, um, guys, when we talk next week, gentlemen, mm-hmm. um, I will, uh, I'll give you the full uh, behind the scenes of what happened. And, um, I'm either going to be a little depressed or I'm going to be uh, pretty jubilant. A very special thanks to Ira Kaufman, who was in Houston for Super Bowl 51, and he will be doing his voting tomorrow with the 48 other voters, and he'll be making a case for John Lynch to get in the hall. We hope that, uh, that Ira comes through and that John is able to make it to the Hall of Fame. For uh, Ira Kaufman in Houston, for Joe Henderson in Tampa, for Tim Williams in Boston, Massachusetts. I'm Jim Williams, your host for the Sunshine Boys podcast. Until next time, we hope you enjoyed the Sunshine Boys. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.